Welcome back to the 4A Podcast. We are one step closer to pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. Thank you all for joining us for our last episode of 2022. Today, we will have a recap of the last day's transactions, as well as more of an open-ended discussion for what we're doing leading up to opening day 2023. How are we doing today, boys? I'm glad you made it through the intro. You barely did it. You went 0 for 5, but you know, 1 for 6 is that bad. First take, first take. So honestly, the past couple of days, they've been pretty fun. And they're smaller moves. All the big names are off the table, but these names that are here, they can obviously still affect the landscape of MLB, as well as a couple of signings and extensions that can influence, you know, um, more and more young talent in a certain franchise. How are you do, uh, Stez? You like signings? I like the signings. Uh, I was, I'm out here t- talking about them every day. It's kind of had a couple of late nighters the past couple of days with, with, I have family in town, but Set structure still getting put out there, and I've I've liked the signings around around all of the MLB. The only one I really don't like is Corey Kluber to the Red Sox. That's that'd be about the only one that I'm kind of questionable about. But they have a pretty good pitching staff where they're a little older, I guess, but they have a pretty good pitching staff in Boston right now. Yeah, I mean, if this was the 2016 season, this is looking like a great a great starting five. Uh, I mean, you got Paxton, Kluber, Sale. I mean, th- these are all older people. Um, and there's more people that I'm that I haven't mentioned, but they are just a very old rotation that are past their primes. But at least they're trying to to build something here. Yeah. So Corey Kluber, he went to the Boston Red Sox on a one year, ten million dollar contract. There's a club option for eleven million in 2024. Uh, you mentioned the age of the starting rotation. James Paxton hasn't been healthy since 2019. Chris Sale, I think his last healthy season was also 2019. So you're counting on some veterans to somehow bring innings from a place they don't know how to throw anymore. Uh, Corey Kluber is probably the most reliable arm in that starting rotation. That's not something you want to say going into 2023. Probably get 160, 170 innings out of them. Not the best innings, but they are major league quality innings, and that's exactly what the Boston Red Sox needed. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all we can talk about with this with this Red Sox rotation, other than the person who they lost in Nathan Yavaldi, um, who went to the Texas Rangers on a two-year, $34 million deal. Uh, Brad, you want to talk about that deal? So, honestly, the the structure of it is a little bit weird because you kind of have to base it off of his 2021 more than his 2022. He was hurt for a majority of 2022. Uh, so, at its base, it's two years, $34 million, which gives him $17 million average annual value, which is a fine contract for someone just coming off of an injury-plagued season. Um, he did finish, what was it? fifth in Cy Young voting, third in Cy Young voting 2021. Um, but it, in all honesty, it wasn't the best Cy Young caliber season. Um, so if that's the base, bonuses will go up to $3 million a year if he reaches 160 million, 160 million, yes, 160 innings pitched. It'd be great if you could throw 160 million innings. He finished fourth in Cy Young voting in 2021. So if he repeats his 2021 in the innings pitch metric, he'll make about $20 million a year. If he throws 300 innings between next year and 2024, a $20 million option in 2025 will ensue, along with those $3 million in bonuses, which can bring it up to a three-year, $63 million contract. And I think you're winning on both sides. I think it's a little bit of a gamble on Nathan Yavaldi because um, we've seen his velocity uh, go down a little bit, I've actually significantly since that injury. Um, but what the Rangers have building here in this starting rotation, I think – they can bring Nathan Yavaldi back. Um, I think the main factor is health now. Um, when you get a healthy season out of Nathan Yavaldi, you're getting an effective starting pitcher. 
um, and put him in a rotation where he'd be like the four guy. And it's, it's, he doesn't even have that pressure on him anymore. Like, like that they're they've created a really really good starting rotation top to bottom like assuming everyone is healthy that's a healthy jacob de a healthy nathan eovaldi martin perez and who else says they had one other pitcher right john gray john gray and then you also have jack Leiter coming up so like andrew this, heaney andrew heaney yeah that was the other thing that i was thinking like this starting rotation is going to be really good it's just a matter of health and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm excited to watch them pitch. It's just they don't really have any other bats outside of them, in my opinion. Honestly, I don't see this rotation being its form for more than a month. That's I fair. don't see a way that Heaney, DeGrom, Perez, I think, should be healthy. But Heaney, DeGrom, Uvalde, all three of them stay on the field for more than a month. Even if DeGrom makes it to opening day, which didn't happen last year, barely happened in 21. Um they still have like young talent that they can rely on in Dane Dunning and Glenn Otto. It's just, it's low ceiling talent that hasn't really clicked into anything over the past three seasons. And obviously they have Jake Udarizzi to lean on if they have to for a six man rotation, which might not be the worst thing for them because you can get 27, 28 starts out of Jacob DeGrom. That's worth every single penny. But if you're pushing DeGrom out every fifth day, you're risking injury even more and more. My thing with Jacob DeGrom, right, it might not be the worst idea to kind of just have him come up, like, pitch a game, and then kind of, like, and if, like, something is happening, and, like, you can tell he's not kind of, like, there's something in him, just shut him down for the season, and then if you are a playoff contender for some reason, and you get close to, you're in the playoff contention, try and bring him back up, and have him pitch into the postseason, kind of like, it's kind of like what the NBA does, like, they have load management that they do, and so like Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James or they kind of sit for a large majority like when you say like a little more than a little less than fifty percent of the season they like sit and just to do the load management and then in the playoffs they're like ninety percent healthy. I don't think you can do that with a major league pitcher though because you're asking him to ramp pitcher. up right before a postseason. Yeah, I and I think in order for the Rangers to make the postseason they have to have Jacob Degrom healthy. Okay. He is their X factor this season. Absolutely. Yeah. Without without a Jacob Degrom, without a healthy Jacob Degrom, um, they're not they're not going to make it that far. I don't think. I think they're going to rely on those that starting pitching more than anything. Yeah, and obviously back to that Nathan Yavaldi move. He's a solid arm, but he's not an arm that can carry a pitching staff. Nathan Yavaldi is not an ace, and in order to make it to the postseason, honestly, at this rate, you have to have an ace. Yes, a hundred percent. Like, I, I mean. It's gonna it's gonna speak for themselves like as the season plays out, but it's just I think there's gonna be it's gonna be injuries and there's gonna be holes in this lineup that teams are going to exploit. Yeah. I think and also you mentioned the offense. Like Mitch Garver probably won't stay on the field for most of the season. Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon were fine last year, but they weren't the worst of their contract. Third base is Josh Jung, who, you know, good prospect, but is that really going to be what you want to put out there when you're trying to spend all this money on starting pitching? Yeah. And then the outfield is kind of just, it, it's Leody it's something Tavares. to be really worried about. Because Leody Tavares, he had a good breakout August, September, but you don't know how much of that is his true form. Yeah. Elise Garcia has proved to be a reliable everyday player, but you don't make the World of Series with a team full of reliable everyday players. Yeah. You need... You need stars, Tom. Yeah, and I, I think I think you're downplaying how good um, Corey Seager and Simeon were last year. They obviously they started off very bad, 
But Seager's still top three shortstop in the game, and Simeon really heated up towards the end and is one of the best power-hitting second basemen in all of baseball. Name name five shortstops better than you're saying, No, Seager. you're saying top three. Seager's a at last season. Seager was a top three shortstop. That's what you said. I would I would say yes. Brad, I would disagree with that. I would disagree with that. Name well. the three. Uh, Lindor, Turner, Bogarts. Store and Story's not a shortstop anymore, but he was basically the same caliber as Corey Seager. I would I would have said I would have said Lindor and Turner are the better ones. I'd say he falls. Bogarts is better. Bogarts was 100% better. Bogarts was 100% better. Tom, go pull up that stat page real quick. I'm pulling up that stat page right quick. It's not yeah. stops. Honestly, their best bat last year was Nathaniel Lau. For sure. I think um, we're all, like, Carlos Correa was also better. Uh, Well, better when he was on the field. Better. No, no, no. Pull up Dansby Swanson's okay. baseball reference. Dansby Swanson, we're pulling it up right now. All right, baseball reference, Dansby Swanson. He had a 776 OPS with a 115 OPS plus. Also, almost won a platinum glove in the National League. Texas Rangers, Corey Kluber, 772 OPS. Hey, but he led all of baseball in home runs, though. No. Um, not no. all of baseball. Sixty-two home no. runs, Aaron Judge. No, all, of, all, of, all of baseball in the shortstop position, at least. Oh, um, but yeah, he's not. He's not obviously um, spectacular. But I would still consider him a top five, not top three. His his um, his OPS is seven seventy two. That's the worst of his career. I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna get that next season. I think you're gonna get more of the nine fifty nine, like nine twenty five, which is more of his average. Um, and that's what it's going to be for the rest of his career. I think he was making the adjustment to, to Texas last year. And I think, honestly, as Seager and Simeon get more comfortable, I think they're going to start blossoming. You saw it happen at the end of the last season. Simeon was horrible. He could not hit anything. Um, and he started heating up towards the end. And I think you get a full season out of both of these guys while they're comfortable. I think it's going to look a lot different. That's a good middle infield right there. Yeah. It's just, also again, though. it's also the parts around it. Like it's Nathaniel Lau who's good, but then past that, that offense it falls off. You need to fill the holes, and I don't think they they've yes they've ramped up on starting pitching, but they're not filling the holes in the offense that they desperately need. Yeah, and a team that's trying to fill a hole, I think, is Gene Segura going to the Marlins. Like the Marlins made a move. The Marlins are on the board. They are on the board. Right. Um, two years, seventeen million, with a club option for a third year. I, I mean, cool. Move. It is a I move it. in baseball. I, I mean, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna hate on the move because like, it's not a terrible decision. But like, I think Gene Segura could be like a good kind of like clubhouse presence to kind of like work with jazz chisholm or something like that mm. but like it's just kind of the the miami marlins have done nothing this off season. they made like what we said they made like one trade earlier and then they did this like yeah. they've made two moves this off season, and this, i kind of expected them to do more and they really haven't yeah and it's also putting it into like one of the areas of depth they have they have Jazz Chisholm at second. They have Miguel Rojas at short, who's still like a below league average bat, but he's such an important presence in that clubhouse. Like you have to have him. 
Mm -hmm. uh, at least on the field, majority of the time, and Gene Segura is going to be your everyday shortstop or second baseman. Didn't Gene Segura played second base for the Phillies, right? He swapped off a little bit. Okay. I think. I, hold on. I I think he was the second baseman. And having Gene Segura as your now shortstop, who's not a great defender, Jazz Chisholm, who Tom pointed out, was a lot better as the season went on at second base. I, I'm not sure where the Marlins are going with this because they didn't address the need that's their outfield. That's true. I just talked to my Philadelphia Phillies resident expert, and he played second base the majority of the season with shortstop for a couple games. Yeah, so the Marlins just signed another second baseman. Basically, does it? I mean, you can. I mean, he can play shortstop just as well as nearly every shortstop. But like, it's just he's gonna be. It's it's not it's not the it's not the need that they needed to address the most. I would say this offseason. I agree. I think they should have been more active in the outfield market. Yeah, I understand. Like, but like outside of, I mean, if they who would they have gone after? Mitch Mitch Haniger? They weren't gonna get Aaron Judge. Michael Conforto. Fair. Nemo. Nemo, like you got to spend money somewhere and they spent it on gene segura yeah i mean again it's not a bad move nonetheless it's not a bad move we're not it's just like we're not saying it's a bad move by any means we're saying that it's just not the move they needed to make yes. like right now their projected outfield is john birdie avisayu garcia and brian de la cruz that's yeah a pretty, I mean that's a pretty good outfield if you if you had if you had stacked that Gene Segura signing on top of a couple more signings, it wouldn't have looked as bad. But this is the one signing they did. What are yeah. they doing? I mean, there was a there was a couple outfielders on the market. I mean, they they were unlikely to land Nimmo, but Conforto, Hanniger. I mean, these guys are even a Ben Attendee. That's what I'm saying. Like you could you could have gone out and get anyone. I mean, there's not that many people available anymore. Yeah, I the Marlins are entering Rockies territory. And you don't want to be entering I mean, Rockies I'm territory. I'm not going to say they're entering Rockies territory. I'd say they're like Red Sox, kind of. I, my issue is what's their direction? They, they're they a team that wants South. to win that doesn't want to spend, and they're not going to ever win or find success without doing spending. Or de developing a single bat. That's what I'm, yeah. Like, they're, they're great at developing pitching. Like, it, it's a good organization, but the issue is – when five of your top 10 prospects are pitchers, one of them has Tommy John surgery and none of your bats are expected until 2024. Like, what are you doing? It's, it's a fair assessment. And I don't know. I think, I think the Marlins just need to bide a little more time, kind of like the Nats. Like they just got to wait a couple years because they're not going to compete against the Phillies, the Mets or the Braves right now. Then, then do you suggest they they trade Sandy and they trade their whole pitching staff? That that's I mean, still I wouldn't say aging. that. I wouldn't say that. Not yet, but because by the time they reach this this prime golden era, Sandy's going to be like thirty one or something, and the rest of the rotation is going to be in their thirties now. Yeah. You have a lot of young pitching still. You still have that young pitching coming up, but you can't waste. You can't just waste Sandy and, and what they have going on here. I think I would almost trade Pablo Lopez before twenty seven. I would trade Lopez in all honesty. Yeah, honestly, I I had expected him to get traded at the deadline last season, but I don't know. I, I, the Marlins are going to be a team that I'm going to need to look very closely on this this upcoming season to see like what happens. We projected as Marlins to have a golden era at some point, but the team that they're not going to have a chance against still is the Atlanta Braves because they just locked up their catcher 
by extending Sean Murphy to a six-year, $73 million contract. This takes him through his last three years of arbitration, his first three years of free agency, and there's a club option for the fourth year. For this contract, they pay him arbitration rates. They're going to pay him $4 million next year, $9 million in 2024. And then when he would be in his last year of arbitration, they're paying him $15 million, which is what they'll pay him for the dur- duration of that contract. It's What do you guys think? I'm I'm a little bit weirded out. It's a little fishy how cheap they're getting these players. Um, I mean, obviously on the surface, seeing seeing how many players have been locked down for so cheap, it, it looks bad on the surface. But you know, Sean Murphy might be a ring chaser. He maybe just doesn't care about the money as much. I mean, seventy three million is a lot of money, but you know, he's the top five catcher in baseball, maybe higher than that. Obviously, um, a, a top five catcher in baseball. At, a, at probably the scarcest position in all of baseball, should be getting paid a lot more than this. Um, and so they, the, the Braves got themselves another steal. Um, and it's it's kind of just confusing how they're doing this and how they're getting away with it. But, um, I mean, I guess if these players are willing to play for less money for a better chance of winning the championship, I guess that's what they're doing in Atlanta right now. I think it has to be exactly that. It has to be like, hey – you got to buy into what we're doing. Like you're not going to get as big of a paycheck as you're going to get, but here's guaranteed money. So like, even if you get hurt, you still have this guaranteed money and you get to play for a team that's going to be competing for at least the next five years. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Stez, what do you guys say as a Nats fan? I just hate the Braves. They do everything that I want the Nats to do, but they're not going to do until we sell the team. It's just, I mean, it's just annoying, right? Cause like they've locked down, Michael Harris, Ronald Cunha Jr., now Sean Murphy, Matt Olson, Trader, they let Freddie Freeman walk, and I feel like they've just gotten better since then. And it's just annoying as an NL East fan. Yeah. Like you see the Braves, and it's honestly like, how can we compete with them? Because I mean, like yeah. their next big free agent is Max Fried in 2024. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's extended. It would not shock me either. Um, yeah. I mean, and you, you got the Mets spending almost a billion dollars in the offseason, and people are still saying, oh, the Braves are going to win it easily. Yeah. That's that's just good management. When when the Braves are, are considered the favorites to win the division after spending probably half a billion dollars less than the Mets, yeah. it, it's a perfectly run organization. Yeah, and the thing with that is, like, these Mets contracts, think about it. Like, Lindor is going to be in, like, year seven or eight of this contract, so he's not going to be as effective. Verlander and Scherzer will most likely be retired and gone. Like their contracts expire in a year or two each. Like two or three years, right? The Braves will be losing Max Fried and Kyle Wright. That's it. That is it. Ozzy Albies, Von Grissom, Ronald Acuna, Spencer Strider, Sean Murphy, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, and Michael Harris are all still on that team after the 2026 season, unless they obviously traded or DFA'd, but I don't see that happening. And you don't even have to sign them for $300 million like the Mets do. So it's just they keep winning. They keep winning. They don't have a good farm system anymore, but who needs a good farm system when every single position on the field is already taken? You know, yeah. they are set. Yeah, and they'll develop talent like where they can trade it for starting pitching because I think that's going to be their only scarcity at any point. It looks like it's going to be starting pitching. Yeah. Unless they extend Max Fried. Because right now – monster out there anyways – yeah, because honestly, I don't know if Spencer Strider is what he was last year. I don't think he is. I think he's a three five, like a three five ERA pitcher, but he'll strike out a ton of people, which is still a very effective. It's just that's 
you need him to be a little bit more. I don't. I, I think I disagree with that just because I looked at that Strider's game log. I, I tracked this guy very closely last year because I enjoyed watching him pitch. He almost got better against better teams. Like he would play the Yankees and, and he went like a full game against like these really good hitting teams. But then he would manage to get shelled by like the Marlins or something, you know, like teams that shouldn't be hitting him. I don't know what that means as a pitcher, but he does well against comp- good competition. Obviously, it didn't work well in the postseason, but he was also coming off an injury. So it, it was different. That's what I'm more so referring to when I say I don't really know what he is because I don't know yeah. how much that oblique injury is going to hinder him as a pitcher because you saw his velo dip two or three miles an hour and yeah, how how vulnerable it made him. Yeah, and I think that's what that's what a rushed recovery does to a pitcher. I think a full offseason, it's 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 going to be interesting. I think I think I, I'm going to be watching Strider closely next season because he could very well be even better than he was this season, or he could fall off. I don't know. I think that the pitching staff actually might get better. I'm not saying Strider specifically, but having that Sean Murphy consistency behind the plate, it's a catcher you get familiar with, and he's a really good defensive catcher too. The whole the whole team is is good defensively now. I mean, you got Matt Olson, Gold Glove, first base. Um, Acuna's got speed out there and a really good arm. I'm not sure how good he is actually fielding, but he's he's got that arm strength. Um, you got Michael Harris who's goal glove defense. Austin Riley's probably the worst fielder on the team, but he makes up for it behind the the other way on the other field. Like it, it's, yeah. it's it's this team is good everywhere. I I don't see a weakness in the Braves, and I think that's obviously you'll hear about it more as we go towards our projections. But I still think that's why they're the better team than the Mets. This is, it's, it's just, it's honestly just beautiful to see how well this has played out. Obviously I'm not happy about it because it's not my team, but if this is what happens when you really maximize, this is truly the greatest case scenario, unless they retained Freddie, probably maybe that would have been a little bit better, but now you have Matt Olson who is like maybe a step below, but not that much worse. You know, you're not getting like a backup guy. Yeah. I think. The reason the Braves are able to do what they're doing is because, and another reason why they let the Freddie Freeman and Dansby Swanson walk is because they don't have to pay these guys super high AAVs. Think about it. I think Austin Riley's their highest one. It's only 22, 23 million. So that makes me think that Max Freed actually might hit free agency because he's going to be a guy that commands 25 to $30 million a year. Like yeah. they have all these team controlled options, but they're able to do it because all the other players have low average annual values. Uh, yeah, and that wouldn't surprise me if they pay him a long-term deal just because they haven't really pulled the trigger on a really a really expensive one yet. But maybe that's just not how they play the game, you know? And that's worked for them. So maybe they will let him walk, and maybe they'll get someone for cheaper. But I w- it wouldn't surprise me with that leftover money that they have from saving all that money. I think I think that will maybe give room for the Braves to afford him. Yeah. With that, there's one last signing we have to talk about today, and that's Rich Hill. It's on a one-year, $8 million deal. The Pittsburgh Pirates. What, what what do we think about this this signing? I, I I mean I personally I don't know what to think about it. The Pirates suck, and Rich Hill just decided he wanted to go there. That is the twelfth team that Rich Hill will play for. I was just about to look that up. I was I was about to ask how many teams this guy played for. He's been on twelve unique teams, but he's been in fourteen organizations. So he's like the Ricky Henderson of pitching. He just keeps going to different teams. Like this guy, Ricky was on like four or five teams. Ricky's played for so many teams. Ricky played for a lot of teams at the end of his career. Did he? I think so. I think I think it, towards the end of his career, in his last couple of years, he was that guy that would just go to teams and steal bases for him. You know, 
That's fair. Oakland, New York, uh, Toronto, San Diego, Anaheim, New York, Seattle, Padres. Boston, Dodgers. So seven. Yeah, towards the end of that career, he was all yeah. And no, the record is 14 by Andre Jackson. So, yeah, there's that. I was going to oh, say Smith of baseball. Yeah, I, I don't mind the signing at all. I don't think that Rich Hill will be a pirate in August. It's just I think if he's any bit effective, decision. if he's any bit effective, he'll be on a different team. It's like Trevor May on the athletics. If he's any bit effective, he'll be on a different team. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking for a guy to eat up innings. This, this Pirates team is just looking to kind of time travel until they're good. And that's what you, you that's what you pick up pitches like Rich Hill to do. You just eat innings, move on. You're not looking for a superstar. He's the second high, highest paid player on that roster. I, I just, the, the Pirates make no sense to me. And I don't know. I don't, I don't have words for the signing. It was literally just, it's just a signing that it's just a decision that was made. That was it. All right. So with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about what 2023 is going to look like for the 4A baseball podcast. All right, y'all, welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We kind of wanted to preview what we're going to do in 2023 leading up to opening day. So we're just going to kind of freelance talk about our thoughts on episodes we're going to have. So like next week, for example, we have our Hall of Fame preview. We're going to kind of treat it like an actual Hall of Fame show. We're going to highlight some of the candidates. And then we had a fan vote go out. The ballot is still open until January 1st. The link will be in the description if you still want to fill it out. Basically, we asked the fans to vote on their hall of fame thoughts and who they think should be in like a regular hall of fame ballot so far we're at 162 responses so honestly this could be really interesting some of the candidates are like right down to the wire so honestly i'm looking forward to covering that episode and breaking the news on who will get in and then for next friday we're going to do a 2023 preview of the baseball season so right now we're kind of talking about what we're going to do Next Friday is going to be talking about like the rule changes, things we should be excited about, and how the balanced schedule will kind of affect baseball and things like that. And I'm excited for this Hall of Fame stuff. I remember our last episode, we um, or our last Hall of Fame episode, we had some heated takes. Um, and I just know based on our small conversation before filling this segment, um, we have some more hot takes incoming. So stay tuned for that episode. Um, it's going to be a battle to the death. Uh, I'm excited for it. Oh, okay. Uh, um and other than that obviously like we have a couple things that are still like timetable to be determined because obviously we have to have content for january and february i think as we get towards february it's going to be a lot more like talking about like prospects stuff like that so we're going to have like a dive into prospects and rookies maybe we can have one for like each division each league something like that uh obviously we'll have like your news report kind of like this if there's any other signings trades and then we want to have an interesting idea that says going to tell you about about our fantasy league so for the past couple seasons now, we, we started a, league, a fantasy baseball league a couple seasons ago. It was a, us and a bunch of our friends has kind of whittled its way down to just, just the four of us, our, your host of that for the 4A podcast. But it's basically we're going to just have our fantasy draft. We're going to do it live, not like actually live, but we're going to do it, record it, um, give our thoughts on who we're picking and stuff like that. And then at the end of it, you guys can decide who you think drafted the best team, stuff like that. Yeah, and so obviously we're going to try and do that in person if our schedules, they match, if they like match to each other. Obviously, we can have a couple of people in person, one person like telecommunicating, stuff like that. 
And then something interesting that I kind of wanted to do for this season was have like our little rivalries. Like obviously like some teams just don't matter. Like the Reds and Pirates aren't going to matter, but I think it'd be cool if we had like a rivalry that we really cared about between those two teams. And, you know, we pick teams that we think would win the rivalry, stuff like that. Obviously you're going to have your Dodgers Padres because I still think we don't consider like Red Sox Yankees to be a in-season rivalry this year. It's more of a regular rivalry. Uh, Tom puts on his Giants hat, even though he's a wannabe third place team, even though he's probably not right now. Um, so like Diamondbacks Giants would be one of those rivalries, but we want to talk about that and like where we think we would fall on those. And honestly, creating some new rivalries is kind of fun. Yeah, I agree. Like, like for, for the Nats, right. I'm thinking just kind of like the Marlins because the Marlins and the Nats are kind of on the same plane in the NL East. And I definitely agree the the Giants and the Dodgers are kind of on the same or not Dodgers, the Giants and the Diamondbacks Giants. are kind of on the same plane. The, the Giants are nowhere close to the Los Angeles Dodgers right now. They're not close to the Dodgers. You remember that? Yeah, I remember it. And do you remember? Do you remember who lost in the playoffs? Do you remember who lost in the playoffs? The Dodgers, the Braves. Both of you did. Both of you did. Ah, uh, okay. Remember who didn't make the the twenty twenty one playoffs? The Washington Nationals, baby. Yeah. Oh, who didn't make the twenty twenty two playoffs? Both. The Washington Nationals. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, obviously, like one of the big things we've been hitting at all off season, I'm super excited for is we're going to go by division projections for each team for the twenty twenty three MLB season. I'm excited for that one. I I like talking about roster construction, projection, stuff like that. So I think it's going to be really interesting. That's kind of when we're going to start talking about like our records and we're going to put teams in like in their placement in divisions. Obviously, we'll have like an individual like, all right, who do we think is going to be the MVP, Cy Young, stuff like that. That'll be its completely own separate show. For our projections, they're probably going to come out the week of March 20th, which is a week before opening day, which is March 30th, 2023. Um. And then, obviously, there's the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, and I think I think the World Baseball Classic has a lot of content to go over. I mean, um, I've never I, I I I've watched them before, but the World Baseball Classic is growing um, every every time it comes back. So I think this year, more than anything, it's gonna be it's gonna be better. Um, there's gonna be a lot to cover, and I think there's gonna be a lot of memorable moments in this one, especially considering all the stars that are in this World Baseball Classic. Yeah, there are stars through and through for the Dominican Republic team, for the USA, for the Japanese team, for all of the teams. Um, there are stars through and through. Shohei Otani, Trey Turner, Mike Trout, and it's going to be really exciting, and I am extremely excited to watch it. I'm just excited to watch baseball again, in all honesty, but I think it's definitely going to kind of be like the, the World Cup this year, and it's going to really put a spotlight on baseball. Yeah, and so for the World Baseball Classic, the two episodes that we do have confirmed – are going to be our Friday, March 3rd episode. It's going to be our preview of it. We kind of do our predictions, like what teams built like what, uh, kind of plan on pool play, things like that. And then the recap, everything after it will be on Friday, March 24th, 2022. So the World Baseball Classic ends on the 21st at the finals. And obviously we'll be active on Twitter and stuff. It's just we have a podcast coming out that morning. So we'll be out on Friday recapping what took place in the World Baseball Classic. For our opening day episode, we're actually going to release on a Thursday, not Friday. We're going to give you something Friday morning or Thursday morning before the game, most likely previewing what's going to happen that day. You're starting pitching uh, matchups and how some teams are just not ready for opening day yet. And we'll probably cook on the Rockies because that's what we do. Uh, did you guys have any other ideas for episodes that you wanted to put out for this coming off season, next couple of months? Uh, for me, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm constantly thinking of ideas. I like having 
like as many ideas as possible. But um, I mean, obviously we gotta do like award prediction. We gotta do like our rankings of the positions, like our top ten for each uh like each position in the league. We can kind of like we can rank so we could kind of break it down based on like their projected opening day rosters and stuff like that, and then have the thirty third basemans, right? And we whittle it down to our our top ten. Yeah, and for me, I think I just I I personally love drafting these fantasy teams. Obviously, you have Yahoo Fantasy, and then you have these like fake ones. Like we did the Hall of Fame Fantasy Draft. They're a little bit different, just to provide some context. The number one ranked player in fantasy baseball last season was not Mike was not Aaron Judge. It was not Paul Goldschmidt. It was Marcus Simeon, which which kind of like changes the balance because a lot of the points are re- rewarded to. Um, assists double plays turned so a lot of those middle infielders are getting more points so maybe doing a separate episode one for the yahoo fantasy draft and then one for the like just a a regular draft every single player in mlb because obviously you're going to see a bit of a difference um in a real in a real in a real fantasy draft you probably pick aaron judge mike trout first but in this type of draft you probably pick a middle infielder first so i think doing both might be better too as what He's not. Oh. Gonna, he, he can't do it again. He can't yeah, do it. Again. So last year, Stevens was poised to take Trey Turner with the third overall pick in the draft, and Tom stole him. Freaking Tom! Tom's like, I'm guys. I'm gonna pick Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I promise, Stevens. I won't pick Trey Turner. I was like, okay, Tom, that's fine. I like literally the only thing I wanted. I did not care about fantasy last year. I just wanted Trey Turner on my team. This guy literally is like, I'll pick Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just for you, Stevens. And then he picks Trey Turner, and then makes me trade him Vlad and like Freddie Freeman for Trey. <laughs> insane momentum tom ends up finishing second in the league he didn't even win yeah but i had a pretty good team yeah i ended up taking home the prize in our fantasy league last year so right now tom has one win and i have one win and then there's aiden and stevs yeah well speaking of fantasy fantasy football tom and i are in the championship for a fantasy football league so that's, hey, that's, we that's know very important giant tom rivalry right here baby. Big rivalry between me and Stevs. Yeah. All right. So, did you guys have any other ideas of things you wanted to? Not at this point in time, no. That's everything for me. All right. Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We will be back next week in the new year. So, this is it for the year. We've gone through 25 episodes. Obviously, we're going to keep it going, pushing for that 100. If you want to interact with us at all, be sure to join us on Twitter or TikTok. Obviously, we're going to interact with comments anything like that. Uh, We're out on YouTube with shorts. You'll see some shorts from this episode and previous episodes. And honestly, I'm kind of a big fan of them. They're a little bit short. They're good to pay attention to, and they don't take too much time of your day. Let us know your thoughts. If you've enjoyed, please leave a rating and a review, or if you have any suggestions, please leave a comment below. Follow us on all social medias at at 4A Podcast. All links are below. We will see you all next time. Peace.